0: Kingway Fox Fox, look is acting very weird Captain Pike, Disco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh Ford Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk
1: <laughs> DJ Batless, Edward is an idiot Fox is dead, Wolf is
0: wed, Chekhov's wearing red Zeta's
1: cat, Q is that enough of that me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We talk about the series. You can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. We're coming to New Orleans, the streaming services now. We talk about the series. Comic books and games, we go be on the show now. We talk about the series. Well,
2: good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, August 10th, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What does that mean? That means if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433, and you're going to want to do that. Because we have a very, very special guest who's going to be joining us in a few minutes. We have none other than the awesome Susie Plaxton, who played k on Star Trek The Next Generation. So you're definitely going to want to be a part of that show. Before we get too far, though, I'd like to go around and introduce to you guys my awesome Trexpert. And we will start <laughs> off in, <laughs> of course, Las Vegas with our very own Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing
3: good. Uh, Weather's a little crazy today. I don't think we hit 95 or so, but we got monsoons floating around. We got got some rain this morning. Might see some this afternoon. And a few of you might be interested in hearing my news story this afternoon, later today. As I do a little bit of a review of Star Trek Las Vegas.
2: Yep, that's going to be fun for sure. And we also have with us from Portland. We don't have our trifecta tonight. We only have a double play with us but that's okay we'll start off with our very own paul the toy guy how you doing tonight paul
4: brother i am doing great it's been an exciting week a lot of good stuff going on um tonight's uh given the date we have a strange new world's finale to watch after the show so i'm looking forward to seeing that i managed to stay spoiler free today which is no small miracle sometimes and i am Let's just say special guest today, okay? I'm super excited uh, that we're able to spend some time with uh, a real luminary of Star Trek. So uh, I'm, I'm just excited. I got a big grin on my face, man. What can I tell you? So it's going to be fun tonight. It's going to be fun for sure.
2: And wrapping up our, our, uh, our dynamic duo, I guess we can call them, <laughs> from Portland,
0: we have our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, man, you guys, I'm having a good night. I, uh, I'm i so excited about this episode. This, uh, this episode we're going to talk about tonight is intense and, uh, in my opinion, very, very uh, complex and worthy of our discussion. So I'm super excited about that. And then we've got Susie, uh, which is incredible. So I am just bathing in the glory of tonight's <laughs> show. Uh, can't, can't wait to get started. It? I'm just, well. I'm just, it's, I always carry a towel, you know.
1: <laughs>
0: so you know where your towel is. I always know where my towel is.
1: Oh, God, I hope so. I really hope so.
0: <laughs> but I like Paul stayed off the internet today uh, for very specific reasons. So uh, happy to be talking about uh, lots of cool stuff tonight, though, and, and let's get started. Woo! Yeah, rock and Pretty roll.
2: Hard. Just to let our listeners know, we're going to be talking about Under the Cloak of War tonight. Next Thursday, we'll be talking about Subspace Rhapsody, the singing episode. And then the following week, we'll talk about the uh, season finale, which is on right now. And the reason why we're behind is because Paramount dropped two episodes on us. So let's not go there. So that's going to be our schedule. All right. Now, guys, believe it or not, we have 120. Seven thousand six hundred and three downloads of this podcast, which is awesome, and 156,786 followers on our Facebook page, which is awesome. You can head over to our Facebook page, look for the Live Long and Prosper post pinned right at the top of the page, and just drop in there and tell us where you're listening from. Look for a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, and then you want to tune into the next podcast where your name will be immortalized for all of eternity. Floating through the cosmos is not only a Star Trek fan, but a listener of Trek Talking. So what more could you ask for? If you want to try to catch my attention, though? If you just say Joe from Jersey, you know, you can put some emojis in there. Try to get my attention. So that's the key. Get my attention and look for the heart next to your name, and you will be mentioned in a future fan shout-out.
0: So Eric, you want
2: to get us started with our fan shout out.
0: Do I ever our very first fan shout out this week is going out to Mr. Sheldon Engelbrecht, who is saying hello to us from Springbok. That is in the Northern Cape province of South Africa, way down there at the tip of the African continent. Sheldon, thank you so much for saying hello to us from so far away. Uh it really means a lot to us to have support across vast oceans and everything for our podcast and for our Facebook page. So uh, live long and prosper to you. And thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Also saying hello this week to top fan, Mark Watson. Mark Watson is saying hello to us from Derbyshire in England, just across the pond. We've got lots of support over there in the UK and Mark as a top fan Uh, We celebrate you especially because that means that you interact with us a ton on our Facebook page, and we always appreciate that. Uh, It means you're really engaged. So, Mark Watson, thank you so much for saying hello to us from Derbyshire, England. Also saying hello this week to Werner Straub, who is saying hello to us from near Linz, Austria, sending us a little picture of the Austrian flag. And Linz looks like one of those really, really beautiful cities that I would love to visit Uh, Werner Straub thank you so much for uh, saying hello to us and supporting us from Austria and finally on my list we're saying hello this week to Sarah Pagsipigen who is saying hellos to us from Manila in the Philippines and she sends us many emojis this is how she got on the podcast Jim I see what you're talking about we got to live long and prosper we got a cool smiley face emoji and last but certainly not least we have a glorious peen flag saying hello to us Sarah, thank you so much for saying hello to us from your beautiful country. And Charles, I'm going to pass this big shout-out megaphone straight over to you, brother. Who do you want to say hi to?
3: Oh, thank you, Eric. Well, let's right start. Well, <clears throat> start right off with a string of top fans. Let's start with top fan Ronald Decium, Northeast Ohio, state line with Pennsylvania. Welcome, Ronald. Top fan Daniel Merritt from the Silver State, Nevada. Oh, Daniel, what part are you in? Did you come to did you come to Star Trek Las Vegas? Welcome to Don Brad. Brad talk, Doc from New Jersey. And Lone Fan Frank Salo, from Bath, Maine. Welcome all for you. Dave's not here. Okay, I guess I'll move on. Top fan Wagner Rodriguez from Mustang, Oklahoma. Welcome. Another top fan, Norm Smith, Vegas baby. Wow, got to find these Vegas, these uh, Vegas persons, got to come visit the U.S. USF Las Vegas. Welcome, Nancy Brock Barr, near Detroit, Michigan. And finally on this list, top fan, Simon Richardson from Iowa, hanging around trying to figure out where Kirk is. Paul, I'm passing the megaphone over to you.
4: Thanks, Charles. Appreciate it, my friend. I'm going to, in one mighty stride, span the Atlantic and leave America behind and go back across to other continents where we have, believe it or not, Star Trek fans everywhere. First of all, I'd like to say a mighty Kapla, and thank you for engaging with us. To top fan Kalaivani Patervelu from Durban, South Africa, waving that flag proudly. I think, are we two for South Africa tonight, Eric, now after Two that, for I two, we, yeah. How about that? So it turns out South Africa is like a hotbed of Star Trek fandom. I mean, there must be a convention going on there probably right now. I had no clue, so this is super exciting for me, and... Uh, I think we justified, justified some plane tickets, Eric. Right? We can. Jim mm-hmm, will uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: expense those. Yeah, I think we, could, we, we can. I think we can probably swing that.
4: Uh, yeah, excellent. Next is Star Trek South Africa. I like that's a good convention name. I'm ready to go.
0: Mm-hmm. But
4: if you need a little bit rainier climbs, then head on up to Hamilton, Scotland, where our good friend Renate Trickett is saying hello. Hello, Renate. It is great to hear from you. Thank you for being a fan and sharing your enthusiasm for all things Star Trek it's time to crow back across that big body of water. And we're heading down below the equator to Caracas, Venezuela Flag flying proudly from our good friend, Tillion Rosas there in Caracas. What an exciting place to call home live long and prosper sign that Tillion has got flying there. Excellent to see that there is a belief in the power of enlightened prosperity for the future. That is uh, all over the planet here from represented from our fans. So it just, it's very reassuring to me to see that week after week. And finally for me, we've got one more top fan. Yeah, I believe we've had this top fan, but I've heard from them before. It's Tanya Keim in Kaiserslautern, Germany. Hello, Tanya. It is absolutely wonderful to hear from you. And I hope things are treating you well over there. I hope you have a fantastic summer in Kaiserslautern. So thank you for being a fan and for engaging with us here on track Talking. I'm going to pass my, uh, well, this is an odd instrument because it is a megaphone on one end, and it's a macleth on the other, and the only person who can really hold that properly (laughs) is Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim,
3: I'm passing it over to you, sir.
4: I appreciate
2: you passing it to me. Oh, wait, wait. I'm early. I'm early. (laughs) (laughs) Next week. I I think you're
4: going to need a week's practice. I think it's good that you're starting now.
2: next Next week, we'll be singing. The power of rehearsal uh,
4: will right. do you well. Rehearsals are good.
2: I need I need a lot. I need a lot for sure. I'm not a singer. That's, I have a I'm a, I Have a face for radio. All right, guys. So uh, we
1: have
2: we have a couple of fans here wrapping up our fan uh, shout outs before we move on to the uh, headline. I want to say thank you so much to Lenny Joyner who's listening to us right now in Ackworth, Georgia. Thank you for being a fan, Lenny. I also want to say thank you in kapla to top fan Dallas Fields, who's listening to us right now in Oklahoma, right here in the good old U.S. of A. I want to say thank you in kapla to Melissa Ruth Wolf, who's listening to us in New York, New York, the Big Apple. Thank you for being a fan, Melissa. And last but definitely not least, another top fan on our list, Sandra Delgado, who's listening in Sacramento, California, and flashes us the peace sign. Thank you for listening, Sandra. We really appreciate it, and we couldn't do the show without the support of all our great fans like you. All right, guys, are we ready? Are we ready for this? I think we are. Ooh, We've waited a long I don't know. time.
1: know. My heart's pounding. So we're ready, man. man. My heart's pounding. I know ready. we're ready. <laughs> we
2: are ready. So um, I have a little intro that I'm going to read, and then we're going to get right on to our our main event. Uh, We know Susie Plaxton from the four roles she played in three Star Trek series, Dr. Salar and, of course, the awesome Kalar in Star Trek The Next Generation. She also played the Lady Q in Star Trek Voyager, and Tara, who was an Andorian in Star Trek Enterprise. But Susie's been a theater, TV, and film actress, And productions like Mad About You, Love and War, Wag the Dog, Dinosaurs, Everyone Loves Raiden, and a whole plethora of others. He's a multimedia artist who's written short stories and poetry, written and performed alternate country rock albums, created a philosophical comedy solo show, written and narrated an algorithmic myth, The Return of King Lillian, and... Produces sculptures, large and small, in her otherwise unused oven. And of course, (laughs) with us right now on the line live is the one, the only, Susie Plaxton. How you doing, Susie? Thank you for being with us.
5: Hi, guys. How are you? How is the world out there? The world of fandom.
4: We're great now that you're here.
5: (laughs) Things were a little blue. I have to make uh, one small correction. Because you said the algorithmic myth, the return of King Lillian, and I thought it's an allegorical myth, and the algorithmic myth sounds sort of nefarious, don't
1: you Mm. think? Yeah, it sounds like AI has
5: taken over. We don't want that. Yeah, exactly, and I'm just so not an AI gal. (laughs) Anyway… So sorry, sorry to be persnickety, but I just had to fix that so that people aren't like, "Wow, that sounds scary." We're still, we're still teaching
4: Jim to read, so it's okay, right?
2: He's, 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 <laughs> but he's, he's doing getting so it.
5: well. You're doing so well, it, I'm, it, Jim. I'm
2: old. It, it, it's, it's my eyes. I'm old. It's my glasses. What can I say?
5: Everybody's old, Jim. Everybody's old.
4: <laughs> Everybody's
2: old. True.
5: I like that. <laughs> we're all old. <laughs> we
4: are on this show. <laughs>
0: We're the old scientists.
2: <laughs> yes, we're all we're old. All. So, you know, um, I want to start off, Susie, I wanted to ask you, uh, you've been on Star Trek several times, as I said at the top of the show. Uh, uh-huh. So of all the characters you've played, you know, an Andorian, a Klingon, a Vulcan, a Q, come on, a Q, what was your favorite character to play out of all the
5: ones you've played? You know, I think that I'm more theatrically aligned with the Cube than 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 the others because she's sort of – well, this isn't – she's sort of Endora in Bewitched. You know, she's sort of <laughs> –
1: <laughs>
5: you know, she, I, I'm very much a, a period piece fan, fan, and I'm a fan of, of great um, pecan sort of literary stuff, and I love, love playing – um comic narcissism and that's what she was. So that and of course I have my own face so it's not as uh intensive in terms of, you know, waking up at three, getting there at four, sitting there for however many hours and you know. So so the queue, I think was probably the one closest aligned to uh, in terms of uh character and theatricality, yeah.
1: And
2: being
5: on all, all four shows, obviously,
2: uh four characters on three different shows we hear a lot about the um, uh, fooling around, the in-joking on TNG. So between TNG Voyager and Enterprise, did you find all all of those crews were very serious and down to business, or did they all kind of kind of fool around and have fun? It's so funny.
5: It's so funny because you said crews, and I'm thinking, oh, you mean like the camera people and the, you know, uh, the, the grips. And um, uh, the makeup people. You're actually talking about the cast, right?
2: The cast, yes.
5: Yes. Okay. <laughs> because I think of crew. I think of something completely different. Um, the I don't remember. I mean, it was. What is going on over there?
2: Yeah. What What is that? <laughs>
5: Ah well, live television, live radio. Sorry. Um, what are we saying? Um, um, the the um, the other two I don't remember specifically because I was on Next Gen for three, and I do remember the most of the time um, I was being the first time I was being a Vulcan. So, and I didn't really hang out with the guys as much because i was with i forget his name morgan and whoever played the woman in schizoid man so but i do remember distinctly sitting in i don't know what it's called i call it the conference room because you know i'm a civilian so i call it the conference room i probably called something else but i remember distinctly sitting across from michael and jonathan and Brent and uh, Patrick and whoever, and they were just riffing and riffing and riffing. And I had to bring a magazine and bury my head in it and pretend to be a very, very serious actress because they didn't know me. They didn't know that I would could start to laugh and never stop and have to be fired. So they were dangerous in that way. <laughs> that's,
4: that's great. I love that.
5: Yes. I love that. They were great. All right, Paul.
2: Paul, do you have a question you'd like to ask? Judy? <laughs>
4: Well, gosh, maybe thirty or forty. I'm going to try to rein myself in, though. But you know, this is you know, I'm sorry. I'm not even going to remotely try and hide my enthusiasm to have you on the show, Susie. This is a, a real treat for us. Uh, so thank you. Oh, that from, is so
5: kind of you. Thank you so much. No, no need to bottom. hide that. That's very, very sweet from the bottom of our deflector shields. We're just
4: delighted that you're here, but. Uh, of course, I just I'm gotta,
5: like, what's a deflector shield? <laughs> you
1: know, I don't know.
4: <laughs> I know, we've got to dial down our, our penchant for all these crazy, algor- uh, you know, little technical things we love on Star Trek, but I'm not That's even gonna great. remotely try to hide it. I just, I think that Kalar is one of the most well-drawn and beloved characters in all of Star Trek, period. I mean, she wow. is just phenomenal, wow. phenomenal, and I think, Especially with you know the whole half human half Klingon nature that you gave that character, and I'm really curious. Uh, how did you go about developing her as a character? Did at any point you bounce ideas off Michael Dorn to get his mm. perspective on Klingon thing, or did you no, just kind of go no, in and go nuts?
5: How it how it works. Oh, sorry, I jumped on the end of your question. Not at all, get it all. Not out. at all. Okay. Perfect. How it works. Remember, I'm a guest star. Doing that many thousands of years ago, I am playing. um, um, You know, I'm doing a lot of guest stars in those days, and and basically, as a guest star, what you do, you know, you probably audition on a Thursday, you maybe get cast late Friday night. They, you, you rush into the studio on a Monday, and you know, they're they're measuring you, they're doing this and that, and especially on Star Trek, they're doing all sorts of things and they're casting the head and they're doing the you know, the makeup and all that kind of stuff. And uh and then they're they just throw you in the deep end. And I think it's always amusing to me because I think that maybe somebody said to me, Do you know what a Klingon is? And uh I think that I probably said, well, I, I, you know, only watched when I was a kid and I seem to remember they were always angry. So that was something that, uh, um, you know, figured in somehow or another, uh, that they were, that they were warriors, but it really wasn't ever, I mean, literally you get a script, you're on the set, man, you know, you're just doing it. And, uh, wow. what always amuses me specifically is, um, no one ever said to me, <laughs> which I just think is hilarious, no one says, Susie, do you have any stage combat experience? Now, been on stage, but I've never done any combat experience. And so um, they kind of lucked out that I had a, a, a very short career in tennis when I was about 10 years old to about 14. And then... They used, it always made me a little frustrated, even though she was just a lovely person, they used the stunt woman in the far shots. And I did everything she did except two pretty dangerous things that I now no longer recall. But no, I mean they just throw you in. There is no a lot of discussion, and wow. and it, there's just no time. You know they've got they've got that, and they've got to get the, the the next episode started. So they got to be finished by such and such a time, and they have to
4: do. So you didn't you have know, a lot of prep time at all. It doesn't sound like really. It's just zero. Off, off you go. Which is, I, I just have to they say, just, I mean, watching yeah. that show, I mean, I you know, because I, uh, I, I think you first appeared in season two, if I remember, right? And it's just...
5: Uh, we're... I'm not, I'm, it never, never put me on a witness stand without coaching. <laughs> I have no memory <laughs> of that.
4: I'm pretty sure it is. But it's, it's, at that point, I was just like, this is one of the best characters I've ever seen on the show. I mean, period. And it felt like you would probably been building this character for, you know, a long time. I mean, it seems like... It's just so well drawn and so expressive. Well, and, that's
5: you know that show that's the magic of cinema. That's part of it. I mean, you know, it's just it's um, it's something that. Thank goodness, I had a lot of improv experience when I was uh, in New York a long time before I got to Hollywood. So I was I was kind of used to. Every time when you get a guest spot, that's kind of what happens. You can build the character as much as you can over the weekend in your mind. But but trust me, just because it's a little bit like being a temp. So <laughs> you can bring all these ideas to a set. And if they don't want them, they don't use them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you you just do the very best that you can with what you're given and the time you're given. And, um and then you move on to the next shot. Wow. You know, so I remember you- the, um I always think of the, uh the, <laughs> the fight coordinator who again, never said, no one ever said, did you do, you, do you know, you know, do you know any, any fight stuff? And of course I, I didn't. And, um, but I remember he said at one point he was looking at me and he goes, no, no, you, 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 you kind of look like you're being strangled up a tree. You don't look like you're being strangled <laughs> up a tree. So frustrated. And I said, you know, I, thankfully, I don't actually have any con- context for being strangled up a tree. So what do you mean? I mean, he's not a man of words, but I just remember that and, and thinking it was just so funny um, and that somehow or another I. I made it out uh, alive and, uh, and having fooled a lot of people into thinking that I was this warrior chick, which is, you know, that's the, that's the, um, for me, that's always been the, um, I would say the fairy lights through the trees that I've chased in terms of acting because you, I, I don't want to be who I am. Not that I have any problems with who I am, but it's fun to transform, so. You know, it's just much more on the spot than anybody would think, especially yeah. because it's just a guest spot at that point. It's just one shot deal.
4: Wow. Well, I tell you, the results were were spectacular and can continue to be so. Every time I've watched that episode, I'm just in, I'm just enchanted by it. And I think you answered my wow. second question already. But I I, mean, I I would love to hear I your. Did. your uh, I think you did, because you may be psychic. You may have a lot of other powers we just were to. I could to. be. I, I could I, I'm, be. I'm putting nothing past you. But so when you first got this role, <laughs> right, in the very first appearance that you did, and it's amazing. But Which I'm, one I'm, are we I'm, talking
5: did, about? We're talking about the Taylor? First,
4: yeah, the first time you played Kalar, right? In the first the first appearance. Uh-huh. But did they uh-huh, say uh-huh. anything to you at that point that hey we're gonna bring you back in a future episode and you're gonna oh, give no. birth to Worf's son? I'm guessing none of that no, was no. that all came There's, later, no, right?
5: No. no. No, no, no. And we'll go we can go to the second one in a second, but first I just realized something. I wanna I wanna quiz you guys. You ready?
4: <laughs> we're ready.
5: Woohoo. Okay. What is the proper pronunciation of K apostrophe E-H-L-E-Y-R? One at a time, please.
0: (laughs) Um, This is is Eric. I'm going to go with K-A-L-R. That's my guess.
4: Uh, I'm I'm going to go (laughs) – I'm going to go – I'm going to channel my inner Michael Dorn and go K-A-L-R uh
5: he didn't say it that way though i don't think uh, well but, i have okay. an old television better <laughs> better better. Oh. go Damn ahead it. who's next who's next uh charles i
3: would have just gone with Lar.
5: okay i want you guys to go back to the first episode and uh she says i am Lar.
0: oh with the accent at the end there yeah sure
5: Kalar. Yeah, I think yeah. it's kind of fascinating that nobody yeah, actually
0: yeah. listened to us.
4: Isn't that? Yeah, it's and because we're funny, so right? dazzled by you. We can't really, we can't really focus
1: on
5: yeah, pronunciation. Yeah, but if I said because... my name is Susie and you called me Susie, that would be like.
1: <laughs> no, but you're you right. know, Maybe you're, you're a little right. bit tone yeah. up,
5: right? Yeah. I'm yeah, just saying. Sure. I think that's kind of fascinating. Now, as you guys know through the audiobook, I call her Kalar because I'm not going to swim up. I'm not a salmon swimming upstream. <laughs> so I'm not going to correct it, but when uh, Kayla appears, she says Kalar. Just had to bring that little bit of uh, yeah. to
4: the picture. I love knowing this. I love knowing this. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's so gr- to me it's just like re- remarkable uh, watching you perform uh, across a couple of different seasons. And when they brought that character of Kayla back, so different. Right here she is. She's got this massive secret. She's had a son that Wharf wasn't hip to, and she's been raising him. And she's just been strong and independent. And it's just amazing. And, And but it's still Kalar. It's still the same character. But you've been through a lot. And. Not everything's in the dialogue that they gave you, right? Because it's a short thing. They're moving quickly in that plot of that. There's so much going on with the Civil War and mm-hmm. Doris and all this stuff. But I don't know. You just really conveyed that you'd been through some stuff, and there's your well, interactions with Dorn. It's amazing. That's, so, that's
5: my uh,
4: job. It, it's it's. I'm I will just before pass it on to someone else here but i just again just one of the greatest characters for me in all star trek that there is i i just you know
5: Uh, selfishly wish Well, i had uh, very little to do with it i just kind of showed up and did my job uh, so uh, you you did a tremendous
4: job uh, i a lot of fans wish that that, as moving as it was and just devastating to have your character get killed right because it was one of the most shocking moments ever i think a lot of us wish that that hadn't happened and that your character has well, gone on to have a you, lot of other things. I mean, I
5: don't know which of you listened to the audiobook, but that was part of my little my little yeah, thing was to create that um, to kind of thank you to um, to kind of put a salve on that wound, as it were. So, um, yeah, well, if anybody it's, it's, it that was that really
4: way. a neat thing to, to experience, wanna... and I love how okay. when I'm not I'm not giving anything away, but just when I'm listening yes, to you
1: I'll doing jump, your. I'll you're doing your
4: thing in the audio book, right? And you're doing your thing and you're telling all these great stories. But then all of a sudden, when Kalar shows up, your voice, it is just dramatic to me how, you know, specifically and just dominatingly. And so uniquely, I'm like, that is the precise same voice is not a difference in years. It's exactly the same. It's like, she popped right into the room. It's impressive as hell. Well, I'm
5: I'm thrilled to hear it. That's, that's terrific. I, I'm, I'm really thrilled to hear it. Um, you know, I, when I invented that show to begin with, when it was live, and then inventing this, even though I'm not a sci-fi person, the fans have been so great to me. I just wanted to create something that would be this, this journey for them that was specific and shorthand just for Star Trek fans. That's why it says, a little audiobook are Star Trek fans, because if you're not a Star Trek fan, I mean, a couple of people who've listened to it who aren't have really gotten into it, which totally surprised me. But um, but if you are, um, you know, it was created especially for you.
4: Well, I want to, on my uh, list of things to do is I want to track down this book that you wrote as well, because um, it's, a, cause it's more Return of a fantasy. William? Yeah, because you're you're clearly somebody who's just a natural storyteller. I mean that's it comes across oh, really kind of you really really effortlessly and it's just listening to you tell all these great trek tales and just the way you embody a character. You're a storyteller, man. So
1: well, thank I, want
4: to, you. I, I want I want more. I, love
5: hearing that. <laughs> I mean, I will say I'm sorry. What did you say? I stepped on you again.
4: No, no, no. I said, I just want more of, 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 of what you put out. Uh, you're, you're a, a very well, entertaining it's funny. person. The
5: return of King Lillian is, a, um, is it's an allegory. She starts out very young and, and uh, grows as the thing goes. And uh, it's not genre fantasy. It's much more, um, it's allegorical myth and uh and I did the audio book of it, so there's a whole bunch of voices on there.
4: oh, so you're doing all the voices in the audio book- in the audiobook yeah. as well oh okay yeah. that's the end of end of uh <laughs> i I now know exactly which method I'll be consuming that book so
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's that's the ticket well, for me, Fred so well, just uh I don't want to dominate this segment, but I'm just so delighted to get a chance to talk to you and just to, just Very you are to a, a thank treasure, you. absolute treasure. Oh, what a sweet uh, thing everything. to say.
5: Thank you. Thank no, it's you just for great. everything.
4: Going to go watch some reruns well, now. and
5: <laughs> Going to go watch the first show and when she comes back and when she says what her name is.
4: Exactly. Exactly. Right. Who's up at next, uh, Jim? Is it going to be Eric or Charles? Who's taking well, over from, from no, this? I, well, I, I, well, I think Paul,
2: because you 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 segue right into what Charles wanted to uh, wanted to talk about. So I think I think Charles can jump in here because he's got some interesting yep. things. So take it away, Charles.
3: All right. Well, Hi, Susie, I I started to listen to your book, and then because like, wait a minute, this sounds very familiar. And I was on my computer when I downloaded it. So while I'm listening to it, on my desktop is a few folders. I dig into that folder. It's like Wednesday, no Thursday. There it is. Susie on stage doing getting made up as a Klingon.
5: Las Vegas,
3: 2017. Yeah. And it's like. I was there in the
6: theater
3: as you did that one,
6: and cool. that
3: was just a fun just to hear the stories. Then hear again. As you know you're what? You're cutting up. out
5: an awful lot. I'm. I, I, oh. I don't know if I'm experiencing that alone, but you're. You're sorry. You're just chopping in oh. all in and out. Sorry. I mean that's sorry. I'm, that's I'm, a, I'm, I'm. My connection's a little weak
3: tonight. My connection's a little weak tonight. I think. But I'm just saying, I got to actually see that whole thing live, which was impressive. So to hear it again in the story just was fun.
1: Great.
5: Lovely. And then I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. No, don't say anything. I'm going to leap right all over you. Don't say anything about the ending.
3: No, but I just want to thank you for what you said you did with the search experience.
5: I'm part most welcome. It was I was very, very, very glad to do it. Very glad to do it. I mean, I'm, uh, yeah. Go ahead.
3: I'm part of a fan club here called USS Las Vegas, and Uh two of our founders worked at the experience, and that's where our club and that's where our club started.
5: Oh, interesting. You know, so it's, it's funny. I get very sort of, um, and I was, maybe you remember this. I don't know. But I, I get very uh, mama bear about the fan experience, about protecting the fan experience. And I probably would have done the, um, the show a lot more often if I hadn't been so quite so protective. But to me, because um, I'm an old theater gal, uh, what I did and it was cut from the audio book because I had a few people listen. It was too confusing. But I had Kalar make everybody take an oath of secrecy
1: <laughs>
5: and not tell a thing about what happened there on, you know, I think I called it the book of face yes. and the tube of you or whatever. And I said, you know, put down your weapons, your phones of eye and your cameras and take an oath of secrecy. And people were sort of cranky about that at first. But then I had Kalar say something like, um, you know, um, something about, um, I do not hear enough enthusiasm, human, something like that, kind of. And everybody, and any time I did it, just snapped into it, played along, took the oath of secrecy. And when everybody's cameras were down, what was so amazing to me was everybody was right there enchanted, you know? It was storytelling at mm-hmm. its most primal, and it made such a difference rather than people looking, talking, pictures, pictures, pictures. It was so pure, and I loved that. So I really wanted to protect the next group wherever I went to, to come in to see it. Because they would not know that this was going to happen. They knew I was getting makeup put on, but they did not know that I was going to be doing this, this monologue and, uh, and telling stories with Kalar, et cetera, from the beyond. So they didn't really know that. And I loved, I cherished the surprise. So with this, that's one of the reasons, forgive me, that's one of the reasons I'm so, um, I'm protective of the, of the ride, you know, from beginning yes. to end. Yeah. Yeah, you get it. You heard it. So, I should probably say it's called the Poor Dead Kalar Show, a little, a little audiobook for Star Trek fans, and that it's available exclusively on my website, nowhere else in the whole world.
3: But yes, I know people are very. I know people are very protective of the experience. Our club actually got to do some work decommissioning it, and it's got a lot special to it well before we lose you let me pass you pass you over to, to eric yes
0: Hey Susie, thank you. Hi, thank you. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. I sure, love thanks listening. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I loved listening to your show. Um what do you you know, thank we've you. we've kind of had a little internal debate. We call it sometimes a podcast, sometimes a stage show, sometimes uh <laughs> you know, a, an audio book. So, whatever it is, um you mentioned there's one thing that I don't think is too much of a spoiler because I think you've talked about this Maybe in public before, but y- you mentioned in this particular show that you have an interest in mythology and how it actually influences, yes. um, you know, people and societies and things like that. How it and,
5: impacts society? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I would and, have.
0: And I have a particular interest in that as well, uh, vis-a-vis, I don't know, the Power of Myth series by Joseph Campbell from back in the 80s. Sure. Sort of the thing that activated sure. my sure. interest. And so I'm curious, uh, I would love to hear you talk more about your interest in that and how that's kind of like influenced you throughout the years, both as an actor and just, you know, does it influence your daily life? What does mythology do for you as a human being? Well, I wrote
5: a book called the return of king lillian so that's something that's um you know again it's a myth and um and uh i've done a lot of studying of um uh pre-christian era and um you know books like uh barbara walker when god was a woman or the encyclopedia of women's myths and secrets so that um i'm just really steeped in it. Sorry, I wasn't expecting to answer that question. It's a biggie.
0: And I'm trying to think of
5: how to how to actually distill it into all of those things. Um, I can't, but sure. I will say that it's, uh, it's something I'm always thinking about. When I'm watching things, I think, God, so much darkness. And um, uh, in so many myths nowadays, I just feel that the world needs more uplift um and i don't mean in a pollyanna kind of way i just mean inspiration sure and um you know i think that uh that it, as an actor i have to be honest as an actor i've not been in i've not been again when you're a guest actor when you're a journeyman actor you're not really considered a collaborator do you know what i'm saying i'm not sure. saying it you know yeah Chat, yeah, yeah. it's just the truth.
0: No, and yeah. so
5: there's really there's nothing that I can do that isn't on the page or that isn't quote unquote allowed by say a director or whatever. But uh, it's just always permeating everything when I'm when I'm when I'm watching shows when I'm reading books, and I find it really fascinating the way so many myths and fairy tales now are at long last being reinvented. And in a way, mine is a bit of a retelling, but you don't find that out till the very end. Um, uh The return of King Lillian, that is. And uh so, yeah, I mean, I think it couldn't be more important in some ways because the foundational myths of our society are so impactful. Uh-huh. And all of these new myths that are created by... Uh, TV shows and films, etc., they become even, you know, art mirrors life, mirrors art, mirrors life, mirrors art, so I think they are, um, it's essential to give them a lot of thought, uh, but you know, no one calls me before they're writing or, <laughs> or, <laughs> or producing movies and say, what do you think, uh, sure. but that's that's what I think.
0: But, say, but safe to say that you would put, uh, you know, things like Star Trek into that kind of realm of mythology, you know, a way that human beings kind of try to explain their experience through stories about other people.
5: Sure. Sure. Of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um I just think that's great and I I know that I've always been a huge fan of all sorts of different myths from all sorts of different cultures and like I said, um yeah. you know, it sounds like you're familiar with Joseph Campbell and that whole mini yes. series that yes, took place course in the yeah. 80s if anybody's not familiar with that I always like to push it just a little bit on the podcast because I feel like everybody should sure why it. not yeah absolutely but I mean, there's so of...
5: many people I mean you could look at Michael Mead for example mm-hmm. who's a great yes. storyteller and uh, um, uh, uh an educator and you could look at uh Matthew Fox or you could look at Gene Houston and these are all people who are um, great scholars. And, uh, and, you know, it's not, I love Joseph Campbell, but he's not the, you know, that's not all that's she wrote. One.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about Thank that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jim, I'm not going be
5: more eloquent. I was, I was I- looking at the questions before and I thought, well, that's a, that's a that's an epic question to fit into 15 to 30 seconds but
0: well it is good it it is but you know susie i'm always interested in what makes people like you tick right because we sort of get to know you through our your characters that you portray but we don't really get to know you
5: personally
0: right right and so we don't get to know who the real you is and so i always like to ask questions that relate to the things that drive people like you, or the things that are—that's wonderful. I
5: yeah. think that's quite brilliant. I mean, yeah. for me, I think if you saw anything
0: truthful
5: or, or deeper, you might go to my website. You might go to the um, to my official Susie Plaxton page, which I've uh, sort of been taking a bit of a break from for a moment to live some life. But um, you know, there's there's uh, all sorts of. Uh, um, little writings I do on there called Little Brushes with Great Artists. I have uh, I put out music, things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. So many, many different things. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
5: And again, I'm going to just push it and be annoying, but I have to because uh, that's, where the, that's where the audiobook is and it's the only place that you can get it. You can't get it on Audible. And it's only $12.12 for 35 minutes
0: well worth the price of admission i was happy to pay it i'd pay it twice if i could um yeah i oh, really enjoyed sweet. it so, that's so yeah. sweet eric thank, thank you. you yeah absolutely thank you so much for joining us and i better pass this thing along to jim before we lose you so jim take over
2: Okay. yeah dokey. i think uh, david is Hi, uh, joined us late and uh I think David Who? has a question for Suzy, don't you, David?
5: See, see, what's so fascinating to me is you. The, I never heard this, I never heard Eric's name before this, or David. So, so that's what we're talking about: improvising. Go ahead. It may it may work out. It may not. Go ahead, David. Hi. Hi.
6: Hi. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show with us.
5: Sure. Um, Thank you for having me.
6: Yeah, so I just had one little question that I was really curious about. Um, so, out of all the actors that go through TV shows or movies and everything, um, a lot of times actors don't really like to watch themselves on TV as themselves. So I was I'm wondering, one of those. Oh, uh, okay. That's that's all I needed to know. <laughs> is that, was that
5: your question? Am I yep. one of those? Yeah, yeah, hate it, hate it, hate it a yeah, lot. Okay. And one of the reasons I hate it is because, like, I was on a show. I don't know. If you guys are aware I was on a sitcom called Love and War and I played a sports writer I know nothing about sports but I played a sports writer again the fun of acting and for I was on that show for about three years but I basically hated to watch it because um, you know it's it's one of those things where you would go oh is that why that punchline's not going to work you took it from that angle you cut in at that moment so because There is no control as an actor, as a journeyman actor, as pretty much, you know, any actor in anything, unless you're producing and unless you're part of directing and whatever, you don't get a set. So Hmm. um, that can be really frustrating for me. So I just decided early on that it was just best for me not to bother. And uh, and I would just be peaceful if I didn't see it, and I've sort of stuck to that. The only time I rewatched um, the Kalar episodes was before, you know, when I was d- kind of dipping in and steeping and and wanting to concoct this uh, concoct this stage
6: show. Interesting, cool. That's all. Yeah. That is all my questions. So I guess I'll pass it back to Jim. Now, all right. You know? right. Excellent. So
2: I I just. Uh, wrapping things up, Susie, you mentioned directing. So sure. No, I have to ask this next question. Uh, two Takes Frakes directed the episode Reunion. Uh, what was it like having Jonathan Frakes as a director?
5: Uh, I have not much memory of it. I'm sure he was fun. Um, I don't really recall it, to be honest with you. Um, I do remember one specific <laughs> one specific moment. They were filming me and I was dead. And he said, now I had never been dead on screen before. And when he called action, I burst out laughing because I was dead. Like, what action are you going to get?
0: It should be non-action. Very low action. (laughs) Right. Little action. No
5: action. Next to no action. I just thought it was hilarious. Well, they were not happy. They were not happy. Who is this dick, and why does she think this is so funny? But comedy is and and uh, music are my are my muses, my home muses. So there was just no way I couldn't. Uh, I'd never had anybody called action to it to to me as a corpse before. So I thought it was funny.
1: <laughs> they should sure probably
5: instead of been yelling
1: traction,
4: right? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: yeah, help her off the floor um, somebody please.
3: <laughs> well,
2: I I just I want to take an opportunity to say thank you so much Susie for uh taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out and trek talk with a bunch of trek geeks. We really appreciate it.
5: Oh, you guys are so sweet, and thank you so so much. And uh, I really wish I could have given a, a, a sharper answer to the myth thing, but it's the end of a, it's the end of a crazy day, so I was uh, kind of um, you know cotton-headed. So hopefully it'll and, be um, you know. If
2: if you guys um, want to get a copy of of Susie's, uh poor little dead k I have a link. No, it's called right it. on our I'm going to do it for you. you okay, can get there and it's called get it. the
5: Poor Dead Kalar Show. A little audio book for Star Trek fans. It is twelve dollars and twelve cents. It is 35 minutes, and I tell a whole bunch of Trek tales through my through my um, my journeys through the different characters I played, and it culminates in the return of Kalar from beyond the veil. And uh it's twelve dollars and twelve cents, and you can find it on com. So there you go. How, how'd you like that? I just did your commercial for you.
2: That's that's <laughs> right. But I also have a link on our page for you guys. If you go to TruckTalking.com, you will find a link that will take you right to Susie's page, and you can oh, pick God it up there. Oh so. God bless you!
5: What a sweetheart. Thank you. That's very so, kind of you. So, Much appreciated. So there's. Much appreciated. May it, may it may it bring a lot of joy to a lot of Trek fans. That was my hope too.
2: So I I just wanted to say thank you and kapla for taking time out to join us. We really appreciate it. Thank <laughs> okay. you so so much. Thank
5: you guys. Take care. Be well. Happy trade. Bye Susie. Bye
6: Susie. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
5: bye, thank you. bye fans out there. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye
6: bye.
2: All right, guys, that was the awesome Susie Plaxton, who, of course, played uh, many, many awesome characters on Star Trek. K. R. being my favorite. Um, So please head over there to trektalking.com, click on the link, and go go over and pick up the audio book. All right, guys, well, it's time to talk about two weeks ago's episode. I think that's it, right? Under the Cloak of War. I put a post up on our Facebook page and asked you guys, our Facebook fans, to score the episode on a scale of 1 to 10. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Under the Cloak of War?
0: Well, Jim, it's looking pretty darn good this week. Top fan Dorothy Ann Ferguson said, ten. It is amazing that Dr. Mbenga can function with his PTSD. His story is heartbreaking. He's such a gentle soul who did such a horrific deed. Top fan Bobby Chakalov said a 10, great depth and an excellent foil to the last episode, which was more comedic, which I also liked very much. Top fan Kathy N. Donnie Wall said amazing episode 10 with an exclamation point. Thought-provoking. It creates tremendous empathy for those who suffer from PTSD. Top fan John McCann said a 10. After a couple of comedy-slash-light episodes, this one got back to what Trek is best at dealing with moral issues reminded me of duet from ds9 lee wheel gave it a 15 which we will just average right back down to a 10 but thanks lee it was excellent intense interesting and i really love the relationship between mbenga and chapel and now we understand how it developed acting and direction were stellar more please top fan craig mckinnon said 10 excellent episode and very dramatic. Ortega's should be given an Emmy for her role. I give those old scientists a solid nine. I was rolling on the floor and laughing. Lower Decks 2 uh, is a great cartoon. But he gave this episode a 10. So bumping it up from last week. Top fan Luciano Vulcan said 10 exclamation point. This episode was so powerful, so strong. Nurse Chapel and Dr. Mbenga especially You are at your best with lots and lots of fun emojis there. Thanks, Luciano. Christopher Leo Daniels Give it a 10. Great acting, direction, writing, editing, and the camera was always exactly where it needed to be to tell that story. I felt like I was in Mbenga's mind. I can't wait to talk about that, Christopher. Thank you so much for your comments. Top fan Mark Whitney said a 10. I'm noticing a theme here, guys. I felt it was one of the better episodes across the various franchises. Just well-written, gritty, dealing with some complex moral issues while giving some key characters depth. Loved it. Top fan Kipley A. Curley said a solid 10 all day with three exclamation points. This had some of the best acting I've ever seen in Star Trek and also I truly 100% believe all the emotions that Dr. Mbenga portrayed Nurse Chapel and Lieutenant Ortega's in this episode. A true masterpiece. Russ Boringer said a 9. I like the storyline and it has some surprises. The Klingon didn't look right and his teeth were straight. Eh, interesting. Erica War said an 11. This episode is amazing. I just sat on the couch afterwards just processing the show. Phenomenal writing and great acting. And finally, Brad Ferrari said this whole season has been amazing in so many ways. Every episode is wonderful in completely different capacities. This was a 10. Babs and Jess created such a depth of connection and bonding that is beyond realistic. Great twist at the end. Phenomenal show. Guys, I'm pretty sure this is the very first time that we have ever seen a fan score on an episode of a decimal that Paul will absolutely hate, (laughs) 9.9.
6: Wow, that's like the fastest speed you can go. (laughs)
0: It's the fastest speed you can go, because you can't get to 10. So, uh, man, I would love to know, do we have some... uh, we have some lower or some uh, cadet training here, Charles. Let's cover that. What do you say? Yep
3: Well, it was a little difficult to figure out what how to focus this one. I got a few episodes, actually some series mostly to look at. Let's start off with Star Trek Discovery Season 1, The Klingon War. TOS, The Day of the Dove, Season 3, Episode 7. Will you get to hear McCoy's dislike or disdain of the Klingons, the untrust. Ah, oh, they took that, that line a that, that story a little further. Star Trek 6 the Undiscovered Country, where you get to hear a lot about the Klingon bias in there and not being able to forgive the Klingons. And since we're on the theme of war, CS9, seasons between about season three and season seven, dealing with the Dominion War. Okay. I guess that means we can kind of discuss this episode
2: yeah all right being the Klingon that I am and the man that I want to be I will start off today I can't wait to sing (laughs) I need some lessons I think uh anyways um I've been touched by the singing dancing Klingons I think I'm going to start doing that at conventions when I go when I go to Trek I think I'm going to be a singing dancing Klingon I just like it um but anyways, getting back to the Klingons. So uh, this episode was just outstanding. Um, but I do have some, some things I want to point out from, about Klingons. But first of all, the episode starts off with previously, and it shows Star Trek Discovery and the Klingon War, Battle of the Binary Stars, and Takuvman is Klingon shouting, remain Klingon. Right? Is everybody with me so far? We all remember that, right? Okay. Well, the reason they gave us for why the Klingons look different is because during war, what do they do during war, Eric? What do the Klingons do during war, according to Star Trek Discovery Season 1?
0: They cut their hair during wartime.
2: Yes, and that's why the Klingons were bald and looked the way they did. Okay? Now, the episode when Mbenga uh, is killing all the Klingons takes place during Discovery Season 1 while the USS Discovery is in the Mirror Universe dealing with Lorca, Mbenga and Chapel are on the planet battling Klingons. Um, Can anybody tell me were those Klingons bald or did they have heads of hair? They... They they had heads of hair, uh, big, flowing heads of hair. So um, I mentioned that because I noticed it. Secondly, from Star Trek 6, the undiscovered country, we've covered this many, many times. What color is Klingon blood? Eric? Purple. Yep. <laughs> what color was it in this episode? Red. Uh,
6: it was red. red.
2: Okay. It was <laughs> red. Uh, when they had the dak-ta on the table, it was dripping with red blood. That's okay. And thirdly, thirdly, from Star Trek Six, The Undiscovered Country, and also from Star Trek Picard Season 3, why do Klingons not cry? Because Klingons don't <sighs> hear dark. In this episode, he cried. All right, so there's that. Also, the Klingon so, uh, head. Hey, <laughs> listen, Paul. It's my opinion. I have a right to make it. Okay.
1: So, you you do. I I, right. I just.
2: It seems okay. like we're not um, talking
4: about the story, though. I'm just.
2: We are. We're talking about the episode. And these are things are? as a Klingon fan that I noticed about the episode. That I'm absolutely correct about. One hundred percent correct about. And the other thing. <clears throat> That, that I noticed is I thought that the Klingon that he wore was atrocious. It looked like a piece of rubber on the top of his head. It it didn't look right. It had no texture. didn't match his skin tone. It just didn't look right to me. So that's my opinion of, about what was done in the episode. But, but pointing those things out, I loved the episode. I thought it was outstanding. It was it was one of the best that we've seen so far. Well, we'll get to the singing one next week. But um I loved I loved it right through to the end and Benga Chapel and let's not forget um, um uh Ortega. Buck there, I forgot. What's his name? Buck. What was the
6: guy's name? Howard Cleanon? Buck.
2: Howard Howard. Yeah, that's it. Oh. How can I forget his name? <laughs> um, he's been on, what, this is his fourth series that he's appeared on. So it was great to see him back again. And this was kind of like a MASH unit, but in Star Trek. You know, they're on the planet, they're under war, they get their wounded, they deal with it, they fix them, they patch them up, they send them back. Um, that's something we've yet to see. We, have, we haven't really seen on Star Trek. So that was really awesome um, to see. And... um A brand new starship, too, that we saw Uh for for the first time at the beginning of the episode. That was very unique. It had one warp engine, and it was kind of pointed, like a piece of cheese. Or a beak. can't remember. Yeah, a beak. That's more like it, a beak. So um, anytime we see a new starship, that is really awesome. And, um, yeah, overall, I just, I I enjoyed it. And the ending. What do you think about the ending? I mean, we we don't have to worry about spoiling it because it's two weeks old. But that <laughs> ending, um, I I saw that on on Facebook somewhere that they actually had an alternate ending for that episode, huh. and they chose to go with the one that they put in the episode, which leaves it, um, you know, up in the air. It's up to the viewer. They don't actually show what happened. It's covered by the the the. the Green, whatever that's there. So it's up to you as a viewer you know, what actually happened. Who's zooming who here? And um, the director said they actually filmed the scene to answer that question, but decided go with that one. So, yeah, that's what I thought. And a Klingon. This guy was was a coward. Basically, he ran away. He hid. He fled the battlefield and became a hero. Which is kind of anti, you know, Klingon-ish for him, but at the end, um, I guess he got what he deserved. If, if indeed, it happened the way we were led to believe. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, and my score is going to be a ten for this episode. So who
4: wants to go next? Go I'm happy it. to go i'm happy to go yeah i mean i can you hear me okay yep yeah i'm sorry
1: That
4: that was very odd okay yeah i'm happy to go um i thought this was a tremendously well done episode um right from the gate um a lot of times you have these sort of awkward beginnings and this was like a swiss watch as far as the opening scene of this episode in terms of like what's going on what are the stakes How is this? What is our situation? And oh, God, what are we dealing with? It was like just incredibly well cut together and it set this credibly fast and in the way that just immediately hooked you and made you want to know more. Introducing Ambassador Doc Ra the way they did, I thought he was outstanding and a really good, unique uh, take uh, that isn't, you know, just the a cookie cutter look at like what the Klingons are like. He was way more complicated. He was ambiguous. He was morally gray. He's trying to be likable and trying to fit into the world of the Federation. He's positioning himself as a peacemaker, but there's a lot other stuff going on there. Very realistic. The best science fiction should be able to create analogs and corollaries to what we see in the real world to hold a mirror back up to, to what happens in real life. And I think that that character does this extremely well. Um, but, but beyond that introduction of the new character, I mean, so much of what this episode exceeded on doing, you know, and you've got to give just huge, huge shout outs to the writing of this particular episode. I mean, really, really extraordinarily well done. Um, I think Jenny Lumet, and Davy Perez did a lot of the work on here. I think I saw Onitra Johnson's name on the screenwriting credits as well, but a phenomenal job um, all together here uh, because what this episode is about is about trauma. It's about the stuff that you never really get rid of that haunts you, right? Ghosts don't haunt you. It's your past that haunts you. And as great as the, uh, the the you know climactic conflicts physically is at the end that leaves somebody not standing, right? To me, the most powerful moment of that show is after that's over, right? And there's this whole analog of Mabenga trying to fix the bio bed that just doesn't seem like it will ever really be you know, uh, back in full order again. And I think his last line of the episode before they fade is some things break in a way that can never be repaired, only managed. And that was just what a gut punch. I mean, absolutely a a powerhouse episode that was managed to really deal with war in a way that anybody I think who has been in uh, a war environment will probably Appreciate that it was done in a respectful way. It was didn't pull any punches. It was done in a very uh, realistic way that honored uh, what people go through uh, and on that you know those hellish type of environments. And it 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 was respectful. And I would I would guess that uh, that veterans would probably find it so. I would hope so because it certainly came across that way uh, to me. Uh, very very good. Um, and uh, and just powerful, very emotional. I wasn't really sure. We'd seen a few episodes ago uh, earlier in the season. We'd seen some uh, this whole thing with the what we had assumed was some kind of like Klingon adrenaline and the fighting skills that it gave them. We didn't really know what to make of it in that earlier episode. But now you look at that after dovetailing it with this episode, and it was just phenomenally well done. It was really respectful, really. Uh, just moving, uh, probably one of the more emotional uh, episodes of the season, and uh, one of the comments that uh, uh, Eric, I think we're just reading, was talking about how this came right on the heels of a really successful comedic episode, right? The uh, the, the the those old scientists, right? <laughs> to change tones that dramatically, right? From a really, you know, frothy, fun comedic episode into something super dark and, uh, and you know, fueled by trauma. And yet this didn't feel like a downer, right? I mean, I don't know how they pulled that off, but it didn't seem like a depressing change of tone in contrasting it with the Lower Decks hybrid episode, right? It was just really energetic, really, really well directed uh, and full of immediacy thanks to uh, Jeff Bird directing and it's just really great and just uh, again going back to the script the writing is everything and uh, it was really brought a tangibility to the idea of the Klingon war that we'd never really got before we've seen it referenced in other ways but not like this this made it something we could connect with in our own reality and that uh, was just really uh Potent stuff. So, no question for me whatsoever. This is absolutely a ten. I would say it's Star Trek at its very best. So, Paul. So, let me ask you: Do you think
2: that things went down the way Mbenga said they did?
4: Or I like I like it when uh, I like it when drama is okay with there being a little having some ambiguity, right? I think it's great. uh, I think too often, especially in television. We are spoon-fed what to think all the time, right? And things are spelled out, and they just rely on exposition to a ridiculous degree. And it's nice that you, as a viewer, have the opportunity to bring your own things on board, right? And have your own interpretation of what you take away from things. I like the way that they staged the ending so that it wasn't 150% clear, right? But you knew. I think you knew what happened. And, you know, I just think it played really, really well. So I think uh, it acknowledged that Mbenga is a haunted guy and he did some dark stuff. But what he did, I think, was necessary for him to survive. And he had seen such horrible things. Dudes, they did not shy away from showing the grotesque tra- physical trauma that the soldiers from the Federation have endured there on that planet. Right. I mean, whenever you hear the line, like I, I can't remember the exact incoming line transport. Down. Yeah. Incoming tr- transport. I and mean, you hear that like, thank you, Eric. You hear that like five or six times. And whenever you hear it, you as a viewer become like almost traumatized. PTSD. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, God, not now. What am I going to see? Oh, no. no, the transport's coming. in. Oh, crap. I mean, you're just bracing yourself for the worst. And then they show it. And it's really bad. You're seeing amputated limbs. You're seeing people just, you know, torn apart it's awful and so you really get why Mbega is feeling the way he is right and 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 Chapel right it was just this you know greenhorn thrown into the middle of it and just has to deal with it and cope I mean she does a great job I mean they, they you know they work together on that I think quite a bit and uh, and and really managed to tell a, a depth story so I'm you know, I, I like the idea that everyone brings their own interpretation to to it at the end, Jim. I think uh, it's hard to avoid a dark interpretation, though, because of the way Babs well, played it. as Mbenga, I think, really dark.
2: The the scene where Pike walks into the sick bay and Pike kind of, I think Pike has an idea in his mind, and he comes to talk to him, and they they have that conversation. You've known me a long time, but you haven't lived the life that I have lived. And when Mbenga says to him. What if I told you that he killed children? Would that change anything? That whole conversation between him and Pike at the end, I thought, was outstanding because Pike was like, well, we don't have the right to be judge, jury, and executioner. We have a a system in place. And, you know, and says, well, he gave the order. And I thought that was, you know, I wasn't expecting that at the end as to be yeah. the final conversation. It was just, you know, uh, Pike and Mbenga really played well off of each other in that scene. And you were still left like,
4: well, I don't know.
2: But you're right. You you can interpret it the way you want to interpret it. and what was Because it, right? it, reinforces,
4: was it, uh, it reinforces Mbenga as a character, right? Because his whole through line with the way he played it is, you can't really know unless you were there. No one can ever really know. I mean, I've heard soldiers say that, right? I can tell you a story but whatever, but unless you were really there, you don't really know. And I mean, and I think the way he played it, that comes across and keeping it a little vague and not spelling everything out. I think that's great because we don't really deserve to know because we weren't there ourselves. We got a horrible glimpse of it. I just think it was a beautiful balancing act and just great choices made between the writer and the director and the actor. Just, you know, that's what collaboration should be, this kind of episode. And I think just uh they've managed to gosh, I mean and wait till we talk about it next week, so we don't want to jump ahead here, but they've managed to adroitly balance and jump between so many different tones uh on this season, right? You know, and remarkably successfully for the most part, I'd say. Um there have been a couple episodes that weren't as you know, not every episode's gonna be a huge success. But the overwhelming majority of them have been, especially on the second half of this season. The second half of this season has been remarkable. And, and this episode in particular is just like one I think fans will be talking about for a long time. So it's, it's pretty harsh. It's pretty extreme. Um, but it's, and, and Babs is just a treasure. He is just so good. So I absolutely loved it.
2: 10-10-10. Well, Charles, you want to jump in next? Or
6: David. Hello. <laughs> Let David you, go David? next. I can go since she's back. No, you can go, oh. David. Okay, I can go. <laughs> um, yeah, I I totally agree with a lot of what everybody's been saying so far, and I I myself have experienced quite a bit of trauma, with not in the battlefield, of course, but in other different things too. I'm pretty sure everybody throughout life has experienced trauma in one way or another and whether there's ways to fix it or you get over it sometimes it's never fixing that and i think this episode really did quite a good job of what they portrayed as what especially what mbinga was going for and and i believe i believe everybody can agree that this episode was definitely an mbenga episode but just uh, having to experience, uh, seeing what he went through and experienced is uh, definitely something that I don't think I would ever want to do go through. <laughs> I mean, war is tor- horrible as itself. And to experience what they saw and everything, I think they did a really good job and uh, uh, like portraying what was war like. And the fact that they used the actual uh, discovery. Uh, footage from one of the Discovery episodes. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, of course, they are pretty much uh one series after another. And they, uh, in fact, I remember hearing um oh, I forgot his name, but um I think it's Alex Alex Kurtzman that might have said it. But he mentioned that if it wasn't for the fans, uh, Strange New World would never would have happened. So. To me, this is one of my favorite series that I've seen so far out of all of Star Trek. And I can tell you what my score is, but I'm pretty sure you guys already know from the uh, past of what I've been given out. So, um, But I think there's one other thing that we actually kind of forgot to talk about was that particular patient that they put into the transporter. Buffer and Mbenga and without thinking. He just had to erase his uh um, biological uh, pattern, basically, and, got, and had to make room for other people to come in. It was like what Spock has always said, you know, the... uh
0: Needs of the many.
6: Needs of the many. There you go. Thank you. And so, yeah, to me, I was just like, yeah... That uh, that's got to be pretty gruesome to witness, especially with uh, Chapel. is like, uh, I think the most creepiest part to me was was the operating room uh, when she when he told her to wrap her hand around that guy's heart to get it pumping i literally shivered in my seat i was like okay uh, that's too much I, I don't think i can handle that <laughs> but i just kept watching because i was intrigued i was like okay what else is going to happen next and then the blood splatter i was just like wow this is this is getting a little uh intense and so yeah i think this is definitely one of my top five favorite episodes that i've seen in star trek so far and uh I think you guys already know what I'm going to give and it's going to be a 10 but uh yeah I guess I guess we're going to pass it on to Eric.
0: Yeah. Uh well, I'll just I'll start my review by saying that after this episode was over with, I watched this with my wife who is watching Str- Strange New Worlds with me and she's not a big Star Trek fan but she's been enjoying this series. And when this episode was over, I had to I had to sit and just kind of be quiet for a couple of minutes, because I was so moved by all of the things that you guys have talked about, uh, in particular, Paul's comments about the writing and the way this was put together, the the sort of A and B story of being able to see what is going on in the present, and then all, simultaneously seeing the things in the past that influence the things that are happening happening in the present i thought was brilliant i love that type of storytelling because it it brings reasons for the the way that people react to things and i think that we would all agree that you know human beings like to armchair quarterback quite a bit we like to think of how we would react in any particular situation having never been in that situation and to me this episode does a fantastic job of putting us in like literally every time they said incoming transport i was traumatized during this episode and i think that's the point of it right i think that they're trying to draw you into that world um which i just really appreciated but the the i guess the thing that is a question that we haven't talked about yet that really I bring out of this episode um, I believe at the end there and Benga has a bit of a monologue and he talks about people paying people paying for what they do and I think that that's such a fascinating concept honestly because you can look at it you know uh, if somebody like hurts your kid does that person deserve to be hurt back Um, If somebody kills someone, you know, does capital punishment uh, apply and does that person then deserve to die as a result? Clearly in this episode, the trauma that Mbenga and Chapel also, but it, it is primarily an Mbenga story. Clearly the trauma that they are subjected to during the episode breeds, I think within Mbenga, this attitude of, yes, people do deserve to pay for what they've done in the past. But we, here we have this Klingon ambassador who, even you know, Ortega's is very uh, suspicious of. Right? She says, "I know Klingons." Like he's just he's just trying to get uh, you know to our secrets and all this kind of stuff. But I think this episode does a fantastic job of showing how this Klingon is actually really trying to make up for some of the thing. like he did kind of have a you know, what we colloquially sometimes call a come to Jesus moment where he just was like, Oh my gosh, now I totally understand where I was wrong and I want to do every single thing I can in my life to try and make up for it. So so was Mbenga right? Did the Klingon ambassador deserve to die, deserve to pay, in Mbenga's words, for what he did in the past? And to me I there there's this like when, when Star Trek is at its best, it doesn't answer that question. It leaves questions like like really, really hard moral questions like that up to the viewer to decide for themselves. And I thought this episode did a great job at that, particularly with that last scene that we've talked about, right? We, nobody really knows who, who shot first, you know, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I personally think it was absolutely Mbenga. I think it's very clear that Mbenga attacked the guy, but I could totally see an argument for the contrary. So uh, I I just really, anytime that an episode makes me kind of leave with a feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm not sure what the right answer was. And it makes me sort of pause at the end. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And if we went up to 11, I would turn my amp up to 11 on this one. Um, I thought it was, is it, yeah, Paul, what do you want to say?:
4: No, this this exam you're a thousand percent right, right? because it's like there's this, all this moral ambiguity to the, to the Klingon character, right because it's like it may very well be that like he's like, you know, hey, I did really bad shit, right, And I really feel like I need to make up for it, right, and I'm going to now dedicate my life to all these peaceful pursuits, right and what did you say? the come to Jesus moment, right? But it's like everybody's sitting in that briefing room. You know, Mabenga and Ortegas, right? They're like, dude, there's nothing you can do that will make me look at you differently, right? It's just like, that's it.
0: given what you and did. And it's because they've seen yeah. the things that other people haven't yeah. seen.
4: It's just like, you, I can't unsee it. I can't go back. And unless you can find a time machine to undo it, I can't ever look at you differently because it's uh, – how can I ever – reconcile that in my mind with the pain i experienced right i mean really well said dude that's that's a lot of it and it's just it's and to and the it was like you were saying before the audience gets caught up in that right we're having to ask those same questions and we're feeling really two ways about it as well right and and the fact that we don't have everything we don't see it and the the device of that screen you know whoever chose to use that method to to shoot that sequence I'm assuming it was the director is i thought just inspired because it becomes like an you know allegory for everything we can't be a part of directly so really really smart
2: yeah well yeah so in that particular scene though um we see this entire story from the perspective of the federation and benga and chapel but flip it around and be the Klingon. So here's this Klingon who defects from the Empire to go to the Federation. He has this reputation uh, as being the butcher of Jakal, and that's a reputation that he's accepted. But he knows it's a lie. But he's living that lie, and he's using that lie to perpetrate um, his his goal. His goal of being, you know, a peaceful ambassador, and Along comes Mbenga who's the only man that knows it's a lie. He he Mbenga's the one that killed his men, not him. Mbenga's the one that went after him. Mbenga knows the truth about this going on. He
0: so I mean this this Jim, we've seen this before we've seen this before in Star Trek, right? Because we Yeah, we've seen this before with Taylor. And the yeah. return of Kales and the fact that when Kales returns, right, Worf decides to not reveal that the new Kales is not really Kales because he thinks it's best for the Empire, right? And and he realizes that the myth is stronger than the truth. And to me, this is exactly that sort of case, right? Like the Klingon guy here recognizes that the myth of who killed those Klingons that he was with is much stronger because he can wield that myth as a weapon to achieve noble intentions, right? So this is all based on him having noble intentions. And clearly if Erica Ortega's was right and this guy had nefarious intentions, he would be in a position to like dick the Federation big time, right? But, but he doesn't. And I think it's the, the, You know, we always talk about uh, Starfleet as a utopian thing. Well, okay, maybe it's utopian, but I think the one thing that Starfleet does first is approach as many situations as possible with trust. They approach every situation, if they can, with an open hand rather than a closed hand and distrust. And Pike and the whole gang... Except the people who went through the war <laughs> were able to do that in this episode, but then the people who were in the war were unable to do that. And to me, that's one of the many brilliances of this episode is showing that continuum both ends at the same time and showing how they can coexist and and define like the truth about this whole scenario. So, like I said, not, not to belabor it, but... And Absolute 11, this is the absolute best episode all season that I have seen. And it is, um, I think David said top five all time. I'm definitely going to put this in my top 10 of all time episodes. I think my previous kind of bar for war episodes, which actually I just noticed didn't actually make it into our um, cadet training. But the season seven DS9 episode, The Siege of AR-558, is my previous bar for like, how good of a war episode can be in Star Trek. That's the one where Nog loses his leg. Um, And this one just absolutely blew that episode out of the water. Like, I I now had to lower my score for Siege of AR-558 simply because this one, I think, was so much better. Um, So, yeah, absolutely loved it. Can't talk about it enough. (laughs) Well, it's time for the caboose.
3: Yeah, and there's a reason why I put myself at the caboose. Because of my crazy schedule and everything going on, I got to see episodes eight and nine together. And I'm glad I had nine to back it up, because I looked at this episode being a little too dark. It's like, okay, we put this ambassador on the Enterprise, knowing that the Enterprise has war veterans on it. And... I saw the ambassador at Pike's Pike's dinner kind of egging on people. Spock was trying to get him focused on the art of war, and yet he wanted to get the entire subject back onto him and the war. And I think I agree with Ortega's not completely trusting this guy. I also worry that on the end that <clears throat> we know Omega comes back to TOS and yet we were upset with the killing of a character in Picard and the character getting away with it, getting away with murder. And I kind of just was a little funny with this one. And so I'm going to bring our score down just a little bit with an eight, giving us a total of a 9.6 for the group.
1: Hmm. All right. Well,
3: there you have
2: it. That's, that's not, not too shabby, huh?
6: Can I add something? Absolutely. Um, at the very end, twist, Did I just wanted to know if anybody here uh, knew about that twist, or was that a complete surprise for everybody?
4: You mean that there would – did we know that there was going to
6: be a twist? Like, no. Well, not just that, but I'm talking about, like, did everybody know that the Butcher of Dagar, was it – did everybody knew that there was a clean-on, or was it in Benga?
2: well it was in Benga,
6: I uh, know, but then everybody knew about that throughout the whole episode or to me that was a twist. I just wondered if anybody else
0: no thought... i think it was inten- i think it was intended to be a twist, and anybody who saw it ahead of time would have just done... Th- so through sophisticated watching, but yeah, I, I think it was intended to be a twist and I found it a twist. So, yeah, yeah, I don't
4: think that that, uh, that was uh, some sixth sense level stuff. I mean, yeah. it was just, you know, it was really well, well, you know, maybe going back and watching it on a second viewing, we might get clues, but it was, I thought extremely well hidden. I was, I think I was just stunned.
0: You well, know, and a nice, was, but
4: it explains a lot when he says it. You're like, oh shit! that's that true. All these other things
1: make sense. Well, like, and a oh, nice man.
0: dark understory that sort of validates the opinions of people like Erica Ortega, who just didn't trust the guy. Well, you know, it turns out he is being, uh, you know, he he is practicing subterfuge, but not in the way that she thinks he is. Right? <laughs> he's just he's masking yeah. himself as the butcher, uh, but he's really not.
6: Okay,
4: yeah. so, And but, it's just, uh, it really, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice twist because it's, uh, it does, it's, you know, the whole theme, it doesn't pull its punches. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's the, it's like, okay, like, you know, here we are, and like Eric said, we're going to, this, this one here, this takes it up to 11. And then after we've learned that twist,
1: you
3: go even further yeah. and
4: do the whole scene she in sickbay. It's <laughs> just like, it just keeps building and it just keeps getting worse. So it's just really you know, man, it's just powerful stuff for me. I just, uh, you know, super grateful that somehow through a twist of, uh, you know, timing or whatever, that I managed to be uh, born at a time where I have not had to experience war. I, I just am so grateful for that. It's, it's brutality. It's just to see it happening in other places still in the world right now so vividly. It's just we have a long way to go. To get to be to the enlightened place that we want to be, a long okay. way to go. It's just terrible.
2: All right, so you know I just You know what would have made this episode better, guys, if Mbenga and Kara had sung to each other. That would have been better. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I think. Well, any episode you know, with twerbs is better. <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, that that they needed some singing in this episode. Okay. Well, guys, we. we <laughs> We've got a little bit of time left, so let's jump into our Star Trek birthday.
0: That was not a Klingon song.
2: All right, guys, this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, but we always start off by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric.
0: Yeah, Jim, this week we're remembering six members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us. The first is actor David Bryan. David Bryan, we lost back in 1993. He was the actor who appeared as John Gill in the TOS second season episode, Patterns of Force. David Bryan was actually born as Brian James Davis Uh, changed his name as many actors are wont to do back in 1914 and after he went to college he worked as a doorman before he sort of got into the vaudeville scene which I think is kind of a cool story Um, he did a wartime stint with the Coast Guard and then eventually got into acting, stage acting and then television acting after the war he has 77 credits on his IMDB page including uh, lots of guest star uh, guest star appearances on shows like The Untouchables, I Dream of Genie and Gunsmoke, things like that uh, from the 50s and 60s. So happy birthday, uh, and remembering this week, David Bryan. Also remembering this week, actor Peter Virgo Jr. Peter Virgo Jr. lost just last January, January 2022. He is the actor who portrayed Lumo, credited as the warrior in the TOS third season episode, The Paradise Syndrome. He is the son of actor Peter Virgo, and in case you don't know who that is, he's a pretty famous actor known for movies like Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Shakedown, A Song is Born, Uh, he was around the way. Peter Virgo Jr., less of a prolific actor, uh, appeared in things like The Explosive Generation with William Shatner and Fear No More and Johnny Got His Gun. But aside from that, didn't do too much acting. Uh, But thank you for your Star Trek contributions, Peter Virgo Jr. We do miss you and happy birthday and remembrances going out to you. Happy birthday as well to Lillian Chalvin. Just, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to say about this woman. She is, of course, the Emmy Award-nominated French actress, writer, and director who played Vedic Yassim in DS9's sixth season episode, Rocks and Shoals. But this woman is prolific and super famous. Um, She's a native, of course, of Paris, France, uh, but then, you know, began working in the UK uh, and then eventually working in the US. She initially desired to become a lawyer back in the day, but she shifted to acting and good for us because I feel like her talents were better used in a lot of ways. In addition to being an actress, she was also a writer and director and is also, or was also, excuse me, an acting and directing coach. She was the creator, showrunner, and host of the instructional series Hollywood Structured, uh, which I think is known amongst actors uh, in Hollywood. She was also a member of Women in Film for 39 years, which, uh, of course, is a, a great organization. And she that included two stints as the organization's vice president. So Lillian Chalvin would have had a birthday here on August 6th. Happy birthday, Lillian. Happy birthday as well to the actor Steve Innot, who, of course, was the actor, writer, and director who played Fleet Garth in the TOS third season episode Whom Gods Destroy. Um, Steve was originally born in Czechoslovakia, then made his way to Canada, then made his way to the U.S. He was one of those kids who was sort of chased out of Europe by the Nazis, and what a great story that he was able to actually find his way ...to a place where he could get on television and actually exercise the things that he was really good at. Um, He was on myriad television series back in the 60s, including all the big ones like Bonanza and Gunsmoke and Mission Impossible and all that sort of stuff... He was also a friend and uh, frequently worked with the director James Goldstone in the 60s, first collaborating on the movie Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. So happy birthday, Steve Inhot, who would have had a birthday here on August 7th. Uh, And unfortunately, we lost him just at 37 years old back in the 70s, so you can look up the story about that yourself. Happy birthday, Steve Inhot. Happy birthday as well to actor Jeff Corey, Jeff Corey, uh, birth name Arthur Zwerlig, played the character of Placis in the original series, third season episode, The Cloudminders. Now, Jeff Corey is one of those faces that I know you know. He made over 200 film and television appearances in a career that spanned over 61 years. Uh, His early career included appearances in such classic films as The Devil and Daniel Webster, The Killers, Miracle on 34th Street, later he was credited with uh, Western adventure appearances in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and True Grit, one of the really, really good ones in my opinion. Corey was among many actors who was actually caught up in that whole governmental quest back in the day. For communists, he was blacklisted in 1951 for refusing to name names of possible communists before the so-called House Un-American Activities Committee. Not only did he refuse to name names, but he also critiqued the acting of previous witnesses. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) After being blacklisted, Corey worked as an acting teacher for 12 years and was even one of Leonard Nimoy's early acting coaches. So Jeff Corey... I feel like I would have liked to have known you, man.
4: Uh, you seem like a
0: really cool guy. <laughs> so, Leonard, uh,
4: can you get me a job on your show?
0: Uh, <laughs> classes aren't as big as they used to be. I can really I know the work. I know. Critiquing the actors of the people on the McCarthy committees is just yeah, like, that's, that to that's me is priceless. just amazing. Is. So, <laughs> happy, <Thank>. birthday. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday, Jeff Corey. Um, lost way back in 2002. I feel like I'm just getting to know you now. Uh, And our final remembrance this week goes out to uh, the First Lady of Star Trek, I believe, or is that major? I can't remember, but I feel like this is who I think of as the First Lady of Star Trek simply because she's the one who's known as kind of like saving the franchise, right? So we're talking, of course, about Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball, born August 6th, 1911, and we lost her back in 1989. She was the actress and comedian best known for her role, of course, on I Love Lucy. But during the mid-60s, she was the owner and CEO of Desilu Studios, and as such was responsible for approving the initial production of Star Trek, the original series. Now, when Desilu Studios bought the Star Trek franchise uh, in 1964, Lucille Ball became, in effect, the first identifiable individual legal and commercial owner of what was yet to become the Star Trek franchise. So as was customary at the times in the motion picture industry, the moment Roddenberry signed his contract, he lost all rights and title to his creation saved for his created by credit, which you see of course in the credits of all the original shows. And then he gets some final compensation for that. But In effect, Ball had, you know, what was interesting was that she bought the franchise, but she didn't really understand what it was. There's a really good story about the fact that she actually misunderstood the premise of the show that she had bought and was under the impression that she had bought a show that dealt with Hollywood stars traveling to the South Seas for the USO, visiting fighting troops in the Pacific. Um cracks me up because she believed in the show without entirely knowing what it was but she was super busy lady too like she had her show and she had people who were in charge of running the rest of Desi Lou Studios at the time so I just wanted to give her a shout I'm sure others you guys probably have something that you want to say about Lucille Ball too I know as a kid I used to watch I Love Lucy all the time in syndication you know I probably watched it in the late 70s or so so it was many years old at that point but just her animated character and the way that she was, you know, portraying herself on screen, just always cracked me up. And I wouldn't learn until years later about her connection to Star Trek personally. Um, but thank goodness for it, right?
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's just send out the most respect and lots of love. And uh, just like real, real thank yous going out to Lucille Ball lost back in 1989 at age 77 years old. So that, you guys, does it for our uh, remembrances this week. So I'm going to pass the birthday candle over to Charles.
3: Okay, thank you, Eric. And hopefully I get time to get a few birthdays so I can get a little bit of news in. Start off with a happy birthday to Lauren Tom. Actress who voiced Captain Nijin in Star Trek Lower Decks first season episode, Cupid's Errant Errant Arrow. A little bit about Lauren. The first show that she did actually was Facts of Life back in 82. But some of her voice work I I really liked was Superman, the animated series, Batman Beyond, Futurama. King of the Hill and many others. Happy birthday to Sean Sean Count Clements, actor, writer, comedian who played Bernard in Star Trek's Lower Deck's third season episode, Trusted Sources. Peyton List, American actress who played Narissa in the first season a uh, first season of Star Trek Bernard. Some of you may actually may know her work in the series Cobra Kai. Happy birthday to Leland Orser. Appeared as Gal in Star Trek Deep Space Nine second season episode Sanctuary. Lavac in third season episode da, The Die Is Cast. Jarn in Star Trek Voyager fourth season episode Revulsion and Lemus in Star Trek Enterprises third season episode, Carpenter Street. Happy birthday to Ashley Sharp Chestnut, Actress who played Sunila Forge in third season
6: episode,
3: Picard, AKA Jordy's uh, second daughter, or I should say the actor's second daughter. Happy birthday to Daniel Hughes Kelly, from Elizabeth, New Jersey, who appeared in Star Trek Insurrection as uh, so Jeff, who's maybe well known for playing Mark Hardcastle in the series Hardcastle and McCormick, and appeared in several soap operas. Donnie Mose portrayed Dr. Kadan in Star Trek Voyager's second seventh season episode Workforce. And Workforce Part 2. But most of us know him much better. As Potsy in Happy Days. But didn't realize this, he actually appeared in the Dungeons and Dragons. And the uh, Teen Wolf uh, animated series. Special happy birthday to Sherrock Lofton. Who I didn't get to talk to, but saw across the room. Played the regular role of Jake Sisko in Star Trek G-Space 9 in 137 episodes. And a happy birthday to Katherine Hicks, who played, and I know why Jim gave this one to me, as Dr. Jillian Taylor in Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home. Also appeared way back in the Bad News Bears TV series. Now I'm going to toss his flaming candles, getting down a little bit, over to Paul, so he can do all hey, of his birthdays.
4: Thanks, man. I'll make sure to be brief, uh, go through here. Hey, real quick, one minor thing I got to mention on Donnie Most, man. He was Ralph Mouth, not Potsy. Just got to oh, clear that sorry. up. Just being a rabid Happy Days fan. I'm, I'm yeah, compelled exactly. to <laughs>
3: It's been so long since I've seen the series But I love the series
4: I can't believe I'm defending Potsy Well, there you go I <laughs> showed you how my bars sank, right? All kinds of birthdays going on here We're going to move some fairly quickly Because we're trying to get to some news So first of all, happy birthday to Clayton Rohner Who portrayed Mark Jameson In the Next Generation First Season Episode 2 Short a season Happy birthday, Clayton Birthday greetings also to Louise Sorel, who played Raina Kapek in the original series' third season episode, Requiem for Methuselah, a young lady with a rather striking secret. She is not hip to herself. Pretty wild. Happy birthday to Valerie Wildman, who played Nevela in the Voyager fourth season episode, Message in a Bottle. Good stuff. Birthday greetings to Ron Marasco, who played Telus in Enterprise second season episode Carbon Creek, one we've discussed on this podcast. Happy birthday, Ron. Uh, I love this next one. Huge birthday greetings to American legend Keith Carradine from the Carradine family of acting luminaries. Keith Carradine is a singer and actor we acknowledge here for portraying A.G. Robinson uh, in the Enterprise second season episode first flight. But Keith Carradine is a legend uh from early in his career in the Robert Altman film Nashville that he actually won an Oscar for for songwriting uh for that particular picture, all the way up to like more recent things like Deadwood, uh right, which is a pretty recent uh piece of work from him that was on uh then HBO. Uh but if you have never seen it, seek out a really early Ridley Scott picture. It was actually Ridley Scott's first uh, feature is a movie called The Duelists with Harvey Keitel, where he and Keith Carradine played uh, feuding officers during the Napoleonic Wars. It is amazing. One of the most visually stunning pictures you'll ever see. Every frame is like a painting and it's Keith Carradine at his best. So in addition to Star Trek, he's done all these amazing things. Happy birthday to the really amazing John John Briones Jr., a Filipino-American actor who portrayed the Confederation Magistrates in Star Trek, Picard, second season episodes, Penance, and Assimilation. He was scary and hilarious all at the same time. A real bright spot for season two for me. A really neat performance. Happy birthday to Adelaide Kane, actress who played Sarah in the next, uh, excuse me, the uh, Strange New World second season episode tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Birthday greetings to Amanda McBroom, a California actress who played Captain Philippa Lavoie in the Next Generation second season episode, The Measure of a Man, probably one of the greatest characters ever in Next Gen, I think. Uh, Lavoie is a tremendous character, and that's one of the all-time great episodes ever. Of Star Trek measure of a man finally for me happy birthday to American actor and singer Brett Gray who voices Dal Rael in Star Trek prodigy Brett Gray hang in there man I don't think that your time uh, voicing Dal is ended someday we're gonna find a home for your franchise show there because you're doing absolutely great work and we're thrilled to have you voicing a main character in the Star Trek uh, universe you're doing a phenomenal Job playing Dao and making him a wonderfully compelling and likable character. Passing the microphone over to you, Jim, to continue. Absolutely, we'd like to say
2: happy birthday to the awesome, incredible Michelle Yeoh, uh, Chinese-Malaysian Oscar-winning actress who played Filippo Giorgio in Star Trek: Discovery, as well as the Mirror Universe version of herself, and she'll reprise that role on Section 31, the made-for-TV. Movie. Happy birthday to Michelle Yeoh. When she kicks Lorca in the face when he's behind her, blows me away every time. Season one of Discovery. Happy birthday, Michelle Yeoh. We also want to say happy birthday to Melissa George, the Australian actress who played Dina in Star Trek Discovery second season episode If Memory Serves. If you guys remember, they had that awesome flashback where it starts off with Jeffrey Hunter. And then it fades into Anthem Mount just to let everybody so know. So good. It's not the mirror universe; it's the prime universe. Check it out. They did a great job with that. So happy birthday to Melissa George. We also want to say happy birthday to Evan Evagoria, the Australian actor and model who played Elnor in the first and second season of Star Trek Picard. I had the pleasure of meeting him at Trek Long Island, and he was so freaking cool. I, I can't tell you. Uh, He was just really awesome. We also want to say happy birthday to Eric Bana, the award-winning actor who played Nero in Star Trek 2009. We want to say happy birthday to Brooke Bundy, who played Chief Engineer McDougal in Star Trek The Next Generation. First season episode, The Naked Now. One of many chief engineers we went through in the first season, uh, but... If you're a horror movie fan like me, you might know her as Elaine Parker from A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors, and A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Masters. And I always save the Klingons for last, and I've got some pretty good ones here. We want to say happy birthday to Sean Blackmore, who portrayed the Klingon Kuron in Star Trek Into Darkness. He's the one that's talking to Ahura, and she grabs the knife and stabs him in the leg with it. The guy with all the gold in his ridge. That's him. We also want to say happy birthday to Branscom Richmond, Native American character, actor who played the Klingon gunner of the HMS Bounty in Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. He's the one that gets the lucky shot against USS Grissom, and Commander Krug blows him away and calls him an animal. So happy birthday. We also want to say happy birthday to Shannon Cochran, who played Katila the DS9 preemptive strike. She also appeared in Defiant as Talara and appeared in Nemesis. We are remembering her tonight as playing the incredibly, the awesome of uh, Sorella. In Deep Space Nines, you are cordially invited. Remember Sorella? Everybody remember who she is? Yeah, she's Martok's wife. And there were some great scenes between her and Jadzia Dax. So kabwa to Shannon Cochran. And I saved the best Klingon for last tonight. Yes, I did. We want to say happy, happy birthday <laughs> to Bruce Horek, the Canadian actor and artist who played the E.N.R. Hammer in the first season of Star Trek Strange New World. He would reprise that role in the second season episode Lost translation as both himself and Zombie Hammer. But, 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 he played a Klingon. Yes, he did. A singing,
3: dancing Klingon.
2: Um, in the last episode of *Strange Disco- uh, the World, Subspace Rhapsody, he played the Klingon captain gar And boy, could he sing and dance. I can't wait to talk about that next week. And that, my friends, wraps up our birthdays to go. And I believe that Charles has a story that he wants to squeeze in here. Charles. Okay, I
3: guess, yep, I guess we're not doing Star Trek News' clip.
2: We okay. only have four minutes left.
3: <laughs> I thought people would be interested in hearing about updates from Mission 57, also known as Star Trek Las Vegas. I only myself got to go two days of the four, and I only got to one panel, and I got to see Anson Mount and Ethan Peck on stage. But I did talk to many people, and it was interesting the conversations that went on during panels. They would mention, oh, that show that you were on. Oh, that show that we did 35 years ago. They did a lot of walk around. There was actually discussion, oh, could we talk about Pike's hair? And it came down to the uh, presenter. It's like, no, I can't talk about that because that's the character on the series. But they did try their best to kind of talk a little bit about the series or have conversations. Oh, you just did a musical. Well, what's your favorite musical? And so they had a lot of fun, I think, doing that. We did have one actor who did name check people, you can find out online. And my, from what I've heard, fans were booing him on that. There was much respect for the fans, even though a few people did try to sneak questions in, that they didn't, they would think, well, no, we can't talk about that, because that's a topic we can't discuss, because they were following the
1: rules.
4: Is that a cat oh. who was on Voyager, Charles, just be keeping it vague?
3: Exactly.
4: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Very right. vague. And
3: yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Right. That's, that's
4: been, uh, that didn't go over well. Yeah. Everyone well, scrambled to the Internet. Oh,
1: what, what? Yeah, and it
4: was too bad, too. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised, man. I was surprised.
3: Had, a lot of the fans had fun with it. They actually did a full uh, legacy panel. Minus, I don't think Patrick Stewart was there, but that legacy paddle on Friday night, and they still had fun with it and kind of discussing things around without getting into full characters and full detail. I did stop by Star Trek Wines. They had a nice Star Trek Two. I think it was a Star Trek Two bottle, and some other spirits. I mentioned the show, and they were like, oh, how many fans do you have? And then somebody else heard the conversation. is was like, oh, never, oh, yeah, we know about your show, the Fireside Chat. Definitely we need to get some more Fireside Chats going. So definitely very positive on that one. I uh, stuck my head over at e- EX06, and they showed pictures of some of the stars visiting their place. And my jaw was just dropping. Uh, The hosts have seen pictures of some of the new figures coming in, the new Strange New World cast, some of the TOS characters, the new Lower Decks figures. They're just going to be... The Lower Decks aren't as fancy as the regular figures but those figures still look incredible and they're coming soon
4: but it was right. well, thank
0: you so of, much well, thank you so much wrestling. charles
2: we're we're gonna get right. cut off here in a couple seconds so i want to make sure i say thank you to susie plaxman for hanging out and chatting with us i want to say thank you to eric for hanging out and chatting with us thank you so much eric
0: you bet guys thank you
2: and I want to say thank you to David for hanging out with us. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. And thank you so much to you, Paul, for hanging out with us tonight and truck talking. Thank you, Paul.
4: It's my pleasure, man. Susie Plaxon, you rock. Thank you. It was, she was awesome. And thank you so much to you, Charles, for hanging out and truck
2: talking with us. Thank you, Charles.
3: Thank you. It was fun talking with Susie and talking truck.
2: All right, next week we're going to be talking about, we're going to be singing the Subspace Rhapsody, so you guys definitely want to check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun, as usual. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. Please, everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Ailing Frequencies are closed. Good night.
3: Good night. Live long and prosper.
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.